The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. You've spoken, Austin, a good bit about diabetes burnout before and and we had spoken about it before and you touch on it throughout your socials every now and then what or or how would you define diabetes burnout from your own perspective Mm. i think diabetes burnout in a nutshell is being Man, I think the best way to describe it is kind of being tired of being tired, being tired of how monotonous um, it is as a disease and trying to manage something that is not unmanageable, but at times is disobedient to what you want it to be, if that makes sense. Um, and just, I, I remember it, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but when I was younger, I remember I had, I, I think I was in middle school and I was just tired of checking my blood sugar, giving myself shots. I didn't want to do it. I would go like to the nurse every day at school and I would just tell her a number that I thought she wanted to hear. I wouldn't actually check my blood sugar. I'll go through the act of it, but my blood sugar would be like, Oh, like 200 or a little bit high, and I tell her, "Oh, my blood sugar is one twenty. It's perfect." And I would do the same thing with my parents. And it got to the point where I went to my endocrinologist, and you can lie to your nurse, to your parents, to your spouse, to your special someone, whoever. You can lie to them about your blood sugars, but you cannot lie to an endocrinologist because they'll check your A one C. And they'll be like, hey, there's something that you're not telling me here. Because <laughs> if you go in and tell them you have, you've had perfect blood sugars for the last six months and your A1C is 14, there's there's something off, you know? And that more or less is kind of the story of my burnout. It's a little bit different now that I'm an adult and the only person I can lie to is myself. And so learning how to cope with that and deal with that, I think is the hardest thing to learn as a diabetic. Is there anything specifically, Austin, that you feel kind of leads to 
your own burnout? Or is, or is there anything that can be an indication that, oh, I can kind of, I can see this coming on now. I need to, to maybe make an adjustment or turn something around here. I think, I think it's different for everybody, but I think for me, for example, it was expectation. I felt like I had um, really high expectation, expectations for my diabetes management. And when I consistently didn't get that perfect blood sugar I was looking for, it hurt me in a way that I didn't know how to cope with. And so uh, I just figured if I can't get a perfect blood sugar consistently, then why even try? And I just got tired of seeing it. And so I just started making up blood sugars that I think everybody wanted to hear. And so I think having high sense of expectations rather than realistic expectations um, is what, what hurt me. Can I ask you what you mean, Austin, specifically by hurt you in a way that you didn't expect or that you found difficult to deal with? Yeah, um, I think because I had um, wanted to, I won a, a blood sugar of one one twenty ever every time. I think that's like uh, six point two. Do you feel right now? One twenty divided by eighteen, six point six, nearly. Oh, it's close. <laughs> so close. Um, that's good maths. But somewhere. If I didn't have a perfect blood sugar, I was so disappointed in myself and hurt that I couldn't get my blood sugar to that point. And I think it honestly caused, I call it micro trauma when it comes to diabetes and, and realizing that I couldn't do this. I didn't have full control of it. And that micro trauma kind of added up every blood sugar that wasn't perfect. And uh, it's, I don't know, man, I think the, the best way that it, I, I can describe it is it made me, I couldn't lash out or didn't want to lash out at other people. And so the best thing I could think of was just not taking care of myself. Um, and I figured that would, um, numb some of that, that pain by not achieving what I wanted. Did it make you kind of almost, almost become rebellious towards your own management in a sense? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's probably a better way of describing it than I used. But yes, uh, I'd rather not pretend I didn't have diabetes and not care and just live life the way I wanted to than put in more effort into not achieving what I expected myself to get. So if you're going through a period like that, Austin, is there anything you try and focus on? Is there anything you you kind of revert back to to help get you back on track to a certain extent yeah i think for me what what has helped me the most is realizing that i'm human you know i'm not perfect i make mistakes every day um some big some small and having knowing what my expectations for me are are my expectations what my parents' expe- expectations are, which were I, I, not that they wanted perfection, but I thought that they wanted perfection. Therefore, those expe- expectations were on me. And so I think knowing what your expectations are, and that means writing them down. What are my expectations for 
can do a life section and then you can do one for, for diabetes. And then looking at them and are these really attainable or am I setting myself up for, for failure? I think that is the biggest thing. And that's something I go to for life and for diabetes um, on a consistent basis is I have a running list on things that I have that are my expectations versus what are realistic expectations. And I think those are two wildly different things. When you actually write them down, you're able to look at them. You're like, huh. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to stay under 120 for the entire week. Like that's just unattainable for, I'd say, 99% of people. If you're that 0.1% of people that can do that, I'm proud of you. Like that's awesome. But reality is life is chaotic and that makes diabetes chaotic. And so being able to um, manage your expectations more realistically is, I think, the biggest thing that, that has helped me. What would a realistic expectation look like for you, Austin, over a day or a week to help kind of um, relieve yourself of that that stress or relieve yourself of that idea that everything has to be perfect? I think it's more of trying to hit goals. So like for me, it's I'm, I'm a big uh, advocate for time and range, especially with CGMs and Dexcoms and, and Lerays and all those that are out and the technology that we have available to us trying to be in range for at least 75% of the day um, is is kind of a big goal for me. And if I can do that, I'm happy. If it was 100%, that'd be even better. But I, I'm going to do my best to, to manage it. But I have the expectation that if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And I, I apply that to diabetes all the time um, because that's usually what happens. And so giving myself grace and, and giving myself love when that does happen rather than backlash and, and, and self-deprecation helps a ton. I think having the ability to preempt that imperfection is, is a vitally important part of diabetes because like we've already said, and like we probably said in the first episode we recorded, Austin, highs and lows are inevitable. And mm-hmm. when they happen... If we go back to what you were saying, you know, if we have a responsible approach and response to those highs and lows, then we're putting ourselves in a very good position. And it's not about constantly expecting perfection because it's never going to happen. And (laughs) something you said there reminded me of our road safety ads in Ireland. Don't know if this is a slogan in the States, but I always relate it back to my diabetes. And one of the slogans in these kind of car crash ads is always expect the unexpected. It's so relevant and spot on with diabetes because yeah. it's like, well, you can stick to 80% and this 80-20 rule, but it's almost like deep down, you still need to always be expecting some yeah. form of surprise to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 like this first example that popped into my head. If you're applying to a school or a college and you're like in the top ten percent of your class and there's like a ninety eight percent chance that you're gonna you're gonna make it, but you always gotta have that plan B just in case because <laughs> yeah. that's that's what happens, right? It's it's life. It's chaotic and uncontrollable and we can do our best to 
manage it, but it's not always going to go the way that we want. In recent years, Austin, you have obviously had a fantastic new addition to your life in general, but more specifically your diabetic life, which is Hazel, your diabetic alert dog. So how is Hazel helping you with all of these things? Man, she, she is so, she's awesome. She can, she, one, she's always with me. So she's like my little buddy. Uh, if I need to talk to her, if I'm having a bad diabetes day, she's just always there. She doesn't necessarily understand what I'm saying to her all the time, but <laughs> she, she's always there to listen and we both get pets out of it. She pets me, I pet her. It's like a two-way petting zoo. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. But she she's awesome man um i take her everywhere with me we go to the grocery store to the gym to work to the library wherever i go she tags along and it's it's i i take her i took her to the endo um actually last week and it's it's crazy my endo is like you know she's gonna be better than any diabetes technology that comes out in the next 10 years Wow! and that coming from him who's been in the industry for for a long long time and he he knows what he's doing he's an endocrinologist right was absolutely crazy to hear but on a a day-to-day basis she is consistently faster smarter stronger than my cgm she'll alert me before my cgm starts beeping at me she'll alert me maybe even 15 minutes before a really bad low and it's it's absolutely crazy. She's sitting here alerting me right now because I am rising. Right, good job, Hazel. Hi, Hazel. Um, <laughs> she focused. She's like, Dad's Dad's dying. He needs. I need snacks. I have to tell him he's dying. Um, <laughs> awesome. Had she, you, she's so good, man. Had you gotten her with the intention to train her as a diabetic alert dog, or did you just decide that in time? So that was always my intention. Um, I didn't have the money to pay for one because down here they're between like five and 20 grand and I, I'm not made of money. So um, I couldn't necessarily do that. And so that was always my intention. I had always wanted one, but the hard part about it, I had never trained a dog before and I didn't want to pay to train her in the diabetic arts. And so when I got her, it was kind of like, cool i have a dog now what we had before austin sam stocking on you know Corey the canine yeah yeah so we had her on before and she was telling us all about the training that she does and how she trained Corey specifically to alert her for her highs and lows but how did the training for you and hazel actually look how did you go about it so the the scent training was actually the easiest part of her her training her obedience, I think, was the hardest part for, for us. But more or less, I would, whenever my blood sugar was at a point where I want her to alert, so she alerts me um, anytime below 80, um, which is, um, I don't know, five and. Have my calculator uh, ready? Hold on. 80 divided by 80. 4.4. Oh, it's close. I'm getting nearly, there. Nearly. I'm getting there. <laughs> But any any time I'm below 80 or 4.4, she is trained to alert me. So what I would do, I would put a cotton swab or two in my mouth and when I'm at that level. And I would, it would soak up the saliva. 
I'd stick it in the freezer for, I don't know, a day. And then um, the next day I would take it out, put it in a like little tin with, with holes poked in it. And then I just kind of held it up to her until she sniffed it. And I could hear her, her actually sniff it. And then I would mark it with a, um, a dog clicker um, and then give her a piece of chicken. Um, and so just rinse and repeat. And then it got to the point where she was good at that and she was proficient. And so I would wouldn't click when she expected me to. And so I was waiting for her to start pawing at me. And once she pawed at me, along with the previous criteria, I would again click and give her a piece of chicken and then rinse and repeat. After she got really good at that, I would hide it around the house and then wait for her to get it, like smell it. And then she'd go find it. And then she'd come back to me and alert me um, or paw at me. And then I'd, I'd give her a click. Um, and then reward her. And then it got to the point where she could, she was doing live alerts by herself unprompted. And um, it just fed on that energy and, and never stopped. And now she, she can, like, I'll be in the living room. She likes to sleep in my room and I'll be g- dropping. And I call them drive-bys. So she'll just c- come from my room, like half asleep. She'll go up to me, alert me, and then just walk back into my room. Dad. <laughs> do something about it and it is absolutely insane how good she is and how accurate she is i trust her more than anything so even if hazel's asleep in a different room and your blood sugar goes low she wakes up and alerts you yeah yeah um with a lot of it that is a rare case for a lot of dogs because some dogs have that ability and some dogs don't so it's very dog dependent. Not all dogs are able to wake up and alert you through their sleep. But I got lucky with Hazel, and she can she can do it pretty pretty consistently. So how did you like? How did you learn how to train her? Did you just come up with this, or did you research it yourself? How did how did you know what to do? Um, so a lot of um, the scent training was from a resource um called md uh md dogs and they've uh one of my my friends or i guess she works over there i don't know i think she works there but like her name's libby and she she has a she trains diabetic dogs for a living and they have free resources that are like pretty much a step to step-by-step guide on how to do it and so i leaned heavily into those because I had no idea what to do with that and a lot of YouTube videos. So you got the resources out there in front of you. You just got to be able to find them. So mddogs.com, I think, is is the resource that was significant in helping me get Hazel to be able to do what she does. So how long was this process then from, let's say, the first time you put a cotton ball in your mouth to, <laughs> to, to collect the saliva? to um, time she was able to alert you by herself how long did that process take honestly it's kind of a never-ending process because you have to consistently keep up with it and consistently keep training but by the time i she was proficient and i trusted her it was probably about a three three and a half month process so she picked it up relatively really quickly quickly and she started at like uh, probably three months. So by, by the time she was like six months, 
maybe a little bit older, she was she was pretty good at it. Wow, that's very very fast. Yeah, she's she's half husky, half Aussie, so she's way too smart. So how do you know then, Austin, if she's alerting you for a high blood sugar compared to a low blood sugar? Are there different nudges that she gives you? Um, yes and no. It depends. So with actually, I only trained her in the low blood sugar. She figured out high blood sugar on her own. She was like, I guess she can, she can, because she smells the changes in my in my blood sugar. Like whenever you're high, you have more of a sweet smell on your breath or in your saliva or sweat glands, wherever. And when you're low, you have more of a tarty smell. Um, and so she was able to differentiate those. And because I didn't train her to necessarily alert me differently, she will paw at me with um, when I'm low, but whenever I'm high, she she'll still paw at me, but it's usually accompanied with a and she just kind of grunts at me. It's absolutely incredible to know that that like how how accurate they are. And are you yeah, now yeah. Austin so confident and reliant on her alerts that like let's say for example right now she comes in and gives you a paw are you so confident of that alert that you don't even need to double check with a cgm or a finger pricker where your bloods actually are you just know yes so i will i i I trust her with my life she's she's saved it multiple times but she I, i will still always double check it just to make not make sure but to know how much i need to correct Mm. but i i trust her completely i can only imagine how helpful she is when you're training in the gym when you're like sweaty and out of breath and your heart is pumping you might be quite dizzy and it's almost like well it is like when we're training or exercising it can be harder to identify the actual feeling or symptoms of high and low blood sugar so she's obviously very helpful when you're training is she? yeah she's yeah she she's phenomenal like she'll because i when i have all that adrenaline and everything going and i'm working hard and you don't know if you're just tired or if you're low instead of having to actually check and having my dog just be able to tell me it's absolutely wonderful and plus yeah, now i have a spotter every time i go uh, <laughs> yeah. i love plus. watching your the videos that you put up on instagram with you and her in the gym and it's like she's just sitting by your gym bag waiting to be helpful whenever <laughs> whenever she's needed yeah 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 she's she's very very helpful but she also has more friends at the gym than i do which is i'm like how hazel and she she has her favorite people and she'll She'll just go up and say hello to them and she'll come back when she's done and sit down for my next set. I'm just like, how do you know all these people, Hazel? You didn't go to school. <laughs> I'm sure she's a good conversation starter, is she? Yes. Oh, absolutely. She is a uh, a good icebreaker, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd say a good wing woman for you in the gym, Austin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're like, hi, do you want to pet my dog? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Austin. Like I said, obviously, we recorded pretty much two years ago now, which is crazy to think how how fast that time has gone. And I always have one last question to finish any guest episode that I have. And it's still the same question as what I asked you two years ago. Now, over the 
130, 135 episodes that we've done, we've had mixed answers um, to this question, to say the least, which I think is fascinating. And it just shows how different people's opinions and perspectives can be on their own diabetes. But the last time you answered this question, Austin, and the question is, if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something, what would it be? The last time you answered this, you said you would thank it for bringing the people or bringing specific people into your life that wouldn't have been brought into your life. Otherwise, you said the relationships that it's given you, it has helped you be more intentional with your words and your actions and ultimately made you more wise and thoughtful with your actions. Mm. Now, two years has passed since that answer. So if you were to answer that question now, is there anything different or anything you would add to it? Oh, man. Kind of wish you wouldn't have told me. So then I could I could answer it and then compare the two. Let's see. Maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> this is your fault, Owen. I'm sorry. This is, I'm this sorry. is your doing. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, man. I think that all of that stands, but I think I'm going to add a little bit to it. Um, I think diabetes has made me more responsible and more disciplined. And I think that bleeds into my daily life and my work life. And I think it's, it's so, man, diabetes has, has made me who I am today through and through. And I can't, I, I want to be who I am today nor that have the the friendships that I have without it. So all of that stands, but I'm just going to, and I'm, I'm almost crying. Think about it. Um, I think diabetes has been the most important aspect in my personal development, my professional development and my emotional development giving me a lot of a lot of the again the relationships that i have and even a lot of the skills that i have have been have stemmed from from having diabetes heck i wouldn't even have hazel if i didn't have diabetes and so i think diabetes is is kind of the biggest thing i have to to thank for allowing me to develop into the person i am today what an answer and what a person you have become, Austin. Even over the two plus years we've known each other, it's been a pleasure from my point of view to have you on the podcast twice and to stay in touch with you over these last two years because um, what you share personally about your experience with diabetes and even your insight and experience you've offered today is massively reassuring to anyone living there, living out there with type 1 diabetes so thanks so much for everything that you do and thank you Absolutely. so much for coming on again it's been amazing yeah it's been a, a pleasure knowing you and um, being able to be a part of diabetes and life um, and calling you my friend absolutely 100% Austin <laughs> where can people find you connect with you and chat with you potentially Austin 
They can find me on any and all social media platforms at uh, everyday underscore T1D. Um, I'm always there for questions if anybody needs help or something answered or they're just struggling. Um, I am always willing to jump on a call or um, give any advice that I can. I'm not a doctor, but I might give you some doctor advice. Feel free to use it as you decide. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm always here and willing to help anybody out who needs it. Love it. And as always, Austin's social media handles and any relevant links will be added to the description of this episode. So if you do not follow Austin yet for whatever reason, make sure you do and check all his stuff out. He is a fantastic person to follow and keep in touch with. So Austin, thank you so much. I look forward to chatting with you again very, very shortly and maybe in another two years or, well, hopefully sooner, we'll get you on for another chat again. There we go. We need to have a, a reunion with everybody that you've interviewed. <laughs> have them all fly to Ireland and uh, uh, party it up out there. Not a bad idea. Maybe I'll start looking into it. <laughs> Legend. I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the logistical planning. Don't you worry. I'll help you out. <laughs> I'll look into it. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate your time. I'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Owen. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe, and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier, and happier within my type 1% better online program, you can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars. And I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.